Okay. Okay. Do you want to land my lap? <laughs> I don't think the seat's big enough. <laughs> Come here, butters. Come on, baby. No, you just want... Okay. Sorry. You're good. Oh, now he wants in the lap. Of course. Now that I put the laptop there. Okay. Yeah. This will be fun to edit out. No, it'll be perfect beginning. <laughs> okay. He wants to talk. Oh, no, he doesn't. <laughs> Butters Radio Hour. Yeah, since Ronnie. It's not Ronnie. It's Ronnie's, Ronnie's guarding the door. Yep. Hi, Ronnie. He's like, don't worry, I got this part this time. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. We are here to entertain you. And ourselves, because we pick whatever we want. <laughs> we have a lot of fun. <laughs> Don't we? Is this comfortable uh, for you? Well, I would yeah. say, how was your week? But uh, we just recorded our last episode, like, two days ago. So. Yeah. We, Nothing has changed. But we had a great day. We did. We were very productive. We went to the comic book store. I got a couple of uh, my Batman Beyond comic books. Did you already put them up? I did. Cool. Did you yeah. put them in boards? Nope. I'll do that later. It's fine. Where we are they? still haven't put the is it over there? Batman black and white in the boards either. I'll do that too. Okay. No, I put them behind the first edition of the Batman Beyond. Badass. You know. We don't have to build more shelves. We just gotta be better at hiding them. We just gotta layer the ones that we don't like. <laughs> Why we didn't buy comics we don't like. Did no. you buy comics you don't like? And then what I mean is that like the covers aren't appealing. Right. Or as appealing as okay. others. You know, you know, you know. I see, you, I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. We could probably use that top portion, too, that's just all, like, toys. Oh, my weird toys. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Nobody knows what we're talking about, because it's a podcast. Bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. No, we had a good day. We got all the meat from Sam's Club, because that is what makes adulting fun. Okay, so what are we talking about this week? I'm excited. Um, yeah, me too. So we are doing a true crime week like we usually do, but this is with a little twist. These are unsolved miss missing people. Mm. I was going to say unsolved mysteries, and it's essentially the same thing. <laughs> but, but they're oh, missing but people. Missing people, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Should we go right into it? Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. I am talking about the disappearance of Bryce Last Pizza. And I can't say that right because I have liners in, so I'm really sorry. Last, last pizza. Oh, fuck me. Anyways. Bryce. <laughs> Bryce was born April 30th, 1994 in Rockland, California, but he was raised in sh- the suburbs of Chicago. He, his parents are Michael and Karen Las Pisa. He was an only child. Bryce graduated Naperville in Central High School in 2012, so the same year as we did. Coincidentally, 2012 is the same year that Bryce's parents also retired early, which is weird because my dad did the same thing the year I graduated. He retired. My dad did too. That's really weird. Um, kind of. Hmm. He did from like his like actual career. Oh. And now he does like side stuff. That yeah. He enjoys. Yeah. So when he graduated and they retired early, the family moved to California. And with such a big move, it's noted that, like, they expected Bryce to, like, take the move a little difficult. They thought that it would be a big change for him. Sure. Um, but he apparently handled it without any issues. He was very, like, go with the flow with that, the big move. And even Good for moving, him. Yeah, with his parents. Um, so he's now 18 years old, and he gets accepted into the Sierra College in Rockland, California, which um, he was pursuing an art degree in graphic and industrial design. 
According to my sources, even though he was young, his passion for art showed through his portfolio. He had a very good portfolio, apparently. He also had plans for transferring from this two-year community college to go to a four-year university. Yeah. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Which is a smart way to go. So... A hundred percent. Yeah. From someone who went to a state school all four years. Don't do that. Don't do it. That sounds awful. Yep. Doing that again. And expensive. Right. This college that he was going to was seven hours away from where his parents moved to in Laguna Niguel. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I want to say Nigel, and I know that's 100% not right. Right. Um, Anyways, so that's equivalent to, like, for, like, can you not grab onto me like this? Okay, apparently he's going to anyways. Um, Rockland was 465 miles north of Luna Niguel. So it was a pretty far drive so he was like close to his parents but not close right so a lot of people were confused as to like why would he move all the way to california to be with his parents if he's just going to go to school far away from them same reason people go out of state anyways Mm -hmm. like yeah all kinds of people will come to csu from other states and then go back home on breaks right that happens all the time right weird and it's noticed they noted that he had like a really good relationship with his parents so like why wouldn't he want to go move with him and since he's like a middle ground, like, seven hours away from his parents, like, that'd be good for, like, during the summers or during holidays to, like, be yep. able to drive and go, like, yeah. live with them again, because yep. I'm sure they'll have the extra, extra space for him, but, like, not close enough to where it's, like, every little You're thing that happens. You're still living at home. Yes, exactly. But able to go home. Yes, yes. That's what I would think as a kid. I would think of the benefits. Bryce was your typical college kid. He was having fun getting good grades. But he dabbled in some marijuana and alcohol, like all college kids do, even though he was underage. And according to a couple of my sources, his parents weren't oblivious to this. They were very like, he's going to be a kid. He's going to do his thing. Like, whatever. But a lot of other people were saying that, like, his parents had no idea. No idea. And they were just kind of like what? My son's drinking? No, he would never. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm not his parents. I'm just going off of the contradicting information I'm getting. Um, So, according to the sources that said that he wasn't oblivious, they weren't, like, telling him, like, oh, go party until you're blackout drunk, but they just, like, accepted the fact that he's gonna do it. You're gonna do it. Do it safe. Yeah, exactly. Um, So... There we go. Other than that, Bryce is remembered for being charismatic and friendly, even to people he didn't know and had a way to, like, put people at ease. So he was, like, very much like a soul soother in that way. Knowing that, Bryce had no problems making friends at college. He even started dating another student. Her name is Kim Sly. I love the last name. Uh, Kim apparently lived in Chico, California, which was about an hour and a half drive from um, Rockland. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, about that time, like California traffic. Who knows? His first year of school seemed to go pretty well. He then went to stay with his parents over the summer, and he also took an English class at a local college there in Luna Niguel, and um, he wanted to get ahead of his credits for school. So he was taking some English, some other, like, required classes. Um, So then he started... Back at school on Tuesday, August 27th of 2013. Apparently, he came back two weeks prior to that, though. So he went back to, or I'm sorry, Rockland from his parents' house two weeks before school started. And he was with his friends, and he apparently had a roommate his sophomore year. So, uh, this is where, 
on the first day of school, August 27th, Bryce calls his mom to tell him how he's enjoying his classes so far, and she personally is like, nothing was out of the ordinary for this conversation. Okay. However, this is where things start to take a turn. As Bryce's friends and people who saw him regularly, his behavior really started to get strange. His friends were saying that he wasn't being himself since he came back to Rockland the last two weeks, and his behavior just kept getting more and more erratic as the days went on. So remember the typical college kid stuff? Sure. Well, apparently it got worse. According to his friends, he was drinking heavily on a daily basis, and it wasn't just, like, beer or, like, whatever the hell he wanted to drink. It was, like, hard liquor that he was, like, drinking a lot of daily. And then, according to his friends, Bryce didn't think anything was wrong with this. And so he was just like, whatever, you guys are being dumb. Yeah. I'm going to keep doing this. So then on the next day, Wednesday the 28th, Kim noticed that maybe it wasn't just the alcohol that made him this way. She was afraid that he was using drugs. So she went to Bryce and asked him to tell her, like, hey, tell me if you're taking drugs. They had a lot of back and forth. He kept denying, he kept denying, and she finally got him to admit that on top of the alcohol, he was using a drug called, called sorry, Vivanese. Vivance. Yeah, thank you. Vivance. Uh, It is an amphetamine-based narcotic. It is also a stimulant that has a similar effect as meth. It is often used for those who have ADHD. But I couldn't find anything that he had ADHD or at least had been diagnosed with it. So maybe he thought he had it and was self-medicating or maybe he just really liked the benefits of it, which are the extreme energy boosts that can keep somebody awake for long periods of time. So according to my research again, back in this time frame, the this was a very popular drug for college campuses, um, probably because it kept them awake, probably because they needed a study. Yeah. I don't know. It's a schedule two amphetamine. What so. does that mean? So, like, controlled substances are, like, classified by the FDA or the, like, DEA mm-hmm. as, like, different schedules. Schedule 1 is a certain class of drugs. Schedule 2 is a certain class of drugs. So, like, that schedule determines, like, what you're going to be charged with if you're found to be in possession of those illegally. So what would that mean for him if he was found in possession with it? He didn't have a prescription for it. Um, it depends on how much mm-hmm. it is. So if you have more than four grams of a schedule drug, basically it's like a court date. Mm-hmm. So. So nothing too crazy. As long as he wasn't, like, drug dealer if amounts. You, well, no, that's the thing. Is anything more than four grams in Colorado is a dealer amount. Oh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So it depends on the state and all that. But, but, I mean, it is illegal for him to have that if it's not in his name. Yeah. Well, according... It is possession. Right. Like I said, according to this, it would have been prescribed to him if he had ADHD, or I'm not a doctor, so, like, maybe something similar to that, Mm -hmm. a simulant, but he did not have it. So, according to Kim, he was using the drugs, not to study like I would have thought as a college kid, he was using them so he could play video games all night. (laughs) What a nerd. I know, right? (laughs) And I'm about to say, Bryce, I can give you a couple of hints. Like, I stay up all night and play video games, at least before I got into this relationship. No drugs. Before I got into this relationship. (laughs) She's like, now I just sleep all the time. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. (laughs) But kind of. No. No, not anymore. I've gotten a lot better of a sleep schedule. No. Now, I'm just so busy with, like, what can we do together that, like, I don't like playing video games if you're awake, you know? 
Kim was rightfully concerned about Bryce, but again, like before, he didn't think it was a big deal, and he's like, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. True. Yeah. This interaction between Bryce and Kim I don't think happened in person because my sources say that Bryce was frustrated with the conversation and told Kim that she would be better off without him anyway. And to me, it means multiple things. But Kim clarified and asked if she was breaking up with him. I'm sorry, with her. And he said yes. Oh. Yeah. Me, because of the calls that I deal with on a regular basis, I would have thought that he was... That's a suicidal statement. People call all the time saying, like, my friend said they'd be better off without us. Or, like, they have a good life. Like, you'll be... You know, like, those vague things that, like, makes you think that... That are, like, red flags, but but not, like specific enough for you to be like, uh, he is going to do X, Y, Z. Right, exactly. At this time. like, And so I think maybe Kim at the time, because she was younger, maybe didn't grasp that as much. I can't speak for her, but I mean, I'm a, at that age. she thought it was a breakup and not a, okay. Right, at that age, I probably would assume the same thing. Like, yeah. I would be like, are you, like. And he's just like, whatever, yes. <laughs> right, because you don't want to think that someone's going to want right. to kill themselves. You sure. want to think of like, oh, they must mean yeah. something else. Mm-hmm. So. Self-reassurance, I guess, in a weird way. Apparently, also, sometime between school starting and after the breakup with Kim, which is, like, a day, Sean called Bryce's parents. Sean is her his roommate. I don't know if I said that or not. He called Bryce's parents, and he was like, look, he's doing some weird shit, dude. Like, you've got to, like, notice that there's something wrong with him. And they were like, no, he seems fine to us. I just talked to him. You know? But, like, all of his friends were like, no, something's wrong. And enough for, like, a teenager to, like, reach out to their parents and be like, yeah, there's something wrong. Weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I would think, I would take that it's a little seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, it's all my perspective, you know? So later that night, around 11 o'clock uh, at night, Bryce called his mom from Kim's apartment in Chico. So it wasn't mm-hmm. a breakup. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know why he was there because he broke up with her, but. Um, apparently Kim was still a little upset over things, and when he was there, she took his keys away from him to prevent him from leaving, which is illegal, right? Was he drunk? That's the thing. So, she's worried, I'm sure, about the drug and alcohol intake and driving, as well as the fact that I'm sure he hasn't been sleeping because of the drugs that he's been taking. Um, all she wanted to do was have him sleep and leave in the morning. But there's a lot of verbal, I'm sure, an argument between the two of them. And Bryce wanted his keys back and Kim was still like, no. So Bryce ended up calling his mom. And I guess he wanted his mom to tell Kim to, like, let him leave. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, tell her I want to go. I want to drive myself. Yeah. So this interaction goes a little wonky. Weird. And yeah. (laughs) So Karen is concerned since Sean called, and now this is going on. So Karen is like, hey, I'm going to fly up, Bryce. Like, just stay there. I'm going to fly up, and I'm going to come see you. And Bryce is like, no, don't do that. Like, let me come home to you because I, quote, have a lot of things to talk to you about. Yeah. Vague. Super vague again. So eventually Kim and Karen get talked together on the phone and whatever Karen says is enough to convince Kim to give Bryce his keys back. Hmm. Yeah. So at this time, he's supposed to have left Kim's apartment around 1130 that night. So only like a 30 minute interaction, which isn't very long, I would right. think. I, w- I would stretch that shit out if I knew my friend was 
possibly intoxicated and or under the influence of drugs. Totally. Things just keep going downhill when Bryce's parents wake up to not only a missed phone call from Bryce around 1 in the morning, and also a message from their insurance saying that they had a request for roadside assistance for one of their vehicles, which is a 2003 beige Toyota Highlander, which... I'm sure you may or may not be surprised with this. That is what Bryce drove. Hmm. I know. So, like anyone would do, Karen and Michael tried to call Bryce. Eventually, they weren't able to get a hold of him, but instead they were able to get a hold of Sean. And Sean said that Bryce didn't come back that night to the apartment. So then they were like, oh, no. Uh, row. I literally wrote rut row. <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. This is so good. Okay, anyways. After getting more information from insurance, it looked like the roadside assistance was needed around 9 in the morning in a small town called Buttonwillow. This town is south of Chico. Okay, I'm going to dive deep, really, really, really deep into some geography here for a second. I looked at a lot of California, so hopefully this makes sense the way that I've scripted it out, but... So... Bun Willow is south of Chico, which is where Kim's apartment is, and it's over a five-hour drive. So, let's get a better perspective. Chico is an hour and a half north of Sacramento. Bun Willow is just shy by 10 minutes for a two-hour drive to Los Angeles. So, okay. it's just south of Los Angeles. Okay. So, to drive from Sacramento to Los Angeles is about five hours and 45 minutes. Okay. So, it's still a pretty good distance away. Right. Brooklyn, where he's going to school, is just south of Chico, but northeast of Sacramento. So, if he were to be going from Chico to Rockland, he wouldn't have had to pass Sacramento. So, the fact that he passed Sacramento and was on his way down to Los Angeles kind of makes me think that maybe he was actually going to go see his parents in Luna Niguel, right. because that is just south of Los Angeles. So, does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. But, like any normal person trying to call uh, their missing child, Karen and Michael keep calling, but they still get nothing. Um, Bryce's dad finally calls the repair company that responded to the roadside assistance and got to speak to the employee who actually went and helped Bryce. This employee's name is Christian. Christian told Bryce's parents that he assisted with Bryce in giving him three gallons of gas around 9.30 in the morning. Because apparently what happened is that Bryce had drove all the way to Buttonwillow and then ran out of gas. And he had no way to get gas. Okay. Yeah, so Michael and Karen told Christian that they couldn't get a hold of Bryce. And, like, a very kind person, Christian is just like, hey, let me just go back to where he was at this rest stop and see if he's still there. Or if anyone has seen him or if there's any kind of footage or anything I can look at to see if he left. Right. So he goes. I mean, his parents are grateful. They're probably, like, got that hope in their hearts. And they're, like, but at the same time, it's been three hours since the roadside assistance has been, like, the chances of him still being there if he got the gas. Right. Very slim to none. Guess what, though? Christian gets there, and Bryce is still at the rest area in the exact same spot that he left him. That's not weird. No. That's weird. Bryce seemed surprised to see Christian, but Christian gave Bryce his phone so he could talk to his parents and let them know that he was okay. And Karen obviously asked Bryce what was going on, what was he doing, and I'm sure every question you can think of as a parent in that situation. And apparently Bryce was just very vague. He didn't really want to talk. He 
didn't want to tell them what was going on. He just wanted to, like, get off the phone and, like, go back to whatever he was doing. Neither his parents or Christian thought that he was under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Um, He was talking normally, and I'm sure Christian saw nothing of alarm. Otherwise, he would have called the police, you know? Especially if he knew he was going to be driving. Uh, So there was a new new plan. Bryce was to go to his parents' house, which was now just under a three-hour drive, and it's around noon, a little after. So he'd be getting there around 3 p.m., This seemed to be a simple task. All that Bryce would have to do is take Interstate 5 and go south. And maybe whatever residential streets once he gets into Laguna Niguel, but nothing crazy, like a one-road path. Right. The hours tick by, and Bryce's parents are starting to worry again. They keep calling, no luck. So they start to think rationally. He'd have to drive through Los Angeles, and he might hit traffic. So... They let the hours keep going. And now they're like, he got into a car accident. What if he drove off the road? So they call police, and they want to report him as missing. Police contact the Bryce's parents and get the info they need, and then instantly got a ping onto Bryce's phone. This is where I derail for a second for a PSA. Just because of the way my job is, officers and 911 operators cannot just ping your phone whenever we want to. We have to have special circumstances in which we have substantial proof and evidence that that person is in danger because those cell phone companies aren't just going to tell us where a person is no matter what. They have laws and regulations that they also have to follow. Right. It either takes uh, exigency or a straight-up warrant. Mm-hmm. And that takes a while to write and then send off to a judge, get the judge to look at it, sign it, approve it, send it back to you. Yeah. And then you send that to the company. Like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. So it's a pretty big deal. So also, you can't just call us and say, can you just ping their phone? Yeah, like, I people can't. People ask for that all the time. All the like, time. Like, we literally can't do that. This is not it, that's order, illegal. It's not CSI. Like, yeah. That's infringing on your rights. But really they had actually, I can't pronounce Exigency. it. They had that. So they were able to get a location for Bryce, and so they went to that area. And do you want to guess where that is? The fucking desert is my guess. <laughs> no. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so now it's almost. I'm just thinking like aliens at this point. But go ahead. Anyways. I don't know. I don't know. The time is now 7 p.m. Almost 10 hours after Bryce had called for roadside assistance at 9 at Buttonwillow. And he's still in Buttonwillow. To where his phone is. That's where his phone is. That's where his phone was what, last used? That's where it was pinged. Right. So that's not where it was last used. That's where his GPS is hitting off this moment. If his phone is on. If his phone is on. And it is on. Okay. Um... So two Kern County deputies learned that Bryce did fill up his gas tank like his mother told him, but instead of going to Interstate 5, he parked right next to it in Buttonwillow. Did he leave his phone in the car and just leave? Nope, he's still in the car. What? The deputies contact him and they talk to Bryce. He was very cooperative and police said that he told them that he needed time to think and get his head straight before driving. Which I'm sure as officers, they're like, okay, you know what? Do your thing. Do your thing. If you want to chill out here, I don't care. 100%. Um, But just be, yeah, just be extra sure that he's okay just because the weird, he's been sitting there for 10 hours. Like. That's a while. That is a while. (laughs) So they end up doing some field sobriety tests on Bryce, which he passes and 
does him just fine. He's even more cooperative and lets the deputies search the car, to which they found nothing. No, like, cans of alcohol. Cans of alcohol. Containers of alcohol. (laughs) I was going to say cans of beer, but I was like, he doesn't even drink beer. Um, No weapons. No criminal thing to be shown. He doesn't have drugs in there. Like... Nothing. Nothing they can do. So they are just basically like, dude, just call, you need to call your mom. You need to call your parents because, like, they're worried about you. And you're doing some weird shit, bro. <laughs> so he tries. He literally is just like, oh, no, like, I'm good. Like, I don't want to yeah. talk to my parents, blah, blah, blah. And apparently one of the deputies literally took his phone and started, like, took Bryce's phone and just called his mom for him and gave him the phone. <laughs> That's just one source said, and I love it. So... The deputy told Karen, just what I told you about this field sobriety test, everything that happened, everything's fine. And so Karen then told Bryce that he needed to eat something and then come home. Because he hasn't eaten all day, like, I'm assuming, since he's just sitting in his car. So he agreed to that. And there was nothing further for the deputies to do, so they left. Yep. That was that. But remember Christian, our friendly neighborhood auto dude? Mm -hmm. He apparently, a few hours later from this interaction with the deputies, was driving by an area by I-5 and Buttonwillow, and guess whose car's still sitting there? (laughs) Bryce's. So, Christian calls Karen and tells her that, he's like, hey, your son is now, like, just parked on the side of the road. Do you know he's here? And she's like, yeah, can you go see what's going on? Because he's been there for now a couple hours. He should be home. Right. So, Christian goes over there, talks to Bryce, and eventually he's just like, dude, Get on the interstate, and I'm going to follow you. <laughs> he follows Bryce for 10 miles. Good lord. On the interstate south. So totally out of his way. Yeah. But after that, he kind of just... He's like, oh, he's on the... He's going. Right. We're good. Right. Nope. Yeah. So that's fine. So this is around 9 p.m. Because it's just a couple hours after the deputies contacted him, and that was at 7. So, like I said, Christian followed for about 10 miles. He saw nothing of concerns. He wasn't swerving all over the road. He wasn't doing anything crazy. So he just let him go. He's finally leaving Buttonwillow, and he should, like, time frame get home around 1 to 2 a.m., depending on when exactly he left. Right. And I'm sure he's exhausted. I'm sure his parents are exhausted. Like, imagine that feeling of, like, all day long, not knowing where your son is, and these random people, like, keep stumbling upon him. I can't. Yeah. Anyways, about 1.50 in the morning, Bryce called and told his mother that he detoured off the interstate and he didn't know where he was. But according to his GPS, he was set to arrive home around 3.25 in the morning. So he's basically gone an hour out of the way. Out of the way. Cool. And so now he still has two hours left. So then Bryce calls his parents one more time about 20, 30 minutes later, around 2.09 in the morning, and he says that he's too tired to drive, so he pulled off the road to take a nap. It's like, buddy, you already pulled off the road, because you said you detoured, so now you're extra off the After road. After sitting off the road for <laughs> 10 hours. Yeah, right. So Karen and Michael are now still on edge. They're waiting for Bryce to come home. And uh, I'm sure just when they were falling asleep, their doorbell rings at 8 in the morning. And this is August 30th. Michael and Karen were excited. Bryce is now finally home, you know? But it wasn't Bryce that was in the doorway. It was a California Highway Patrol officer. Hmm. Trooper, I guess, technically. 
What do you think happened? They found his car, didn't find him. Wow, you're good. <laughs> so, I some missing persons. Oh, that's episode, true. That's true. So. Okay, damn it. Shucks. <laughs> I shouldn't have told you that. Um, <laughs> you had to. <laughs> that's how this podcast works. I know. So, Bryce's car was found severely wrecked, and there oh, was shit. no one found in sight. The vehicle was found on its side. All of the rear windows were smashed from the inside, which officers are assuming that Bryce had done this himself in an attempt to get out of the vehicle. Okay. His car had gone down. To the back window. I guess just the rear window. Okay. That's what I'm understanding. His car had gone down, get this, a 25-foot embankment before landing on a paved access road to a lake called Castaic Lake? Castaic. Castaic. It's C-A-S-T-A-I-C. Oh, I have no idea. Castaic. Whatever. Castaic Lake is like a halfway mark between Button Willow and Laguna Niguel, just off of I-5. It is literally right off of I-5. So it would make sense if that's where he pulled right. off. There's also a gas station that's right there off the off-ramps and stuff. Upon search of the vehicle, they found all of Bryce's belongings there. His laptop, cell phone, his duffel bag, which the duffel bag itself was found just outside the vehicle... Right where the windows had been broken out, and it looked like it had been gone through. And they assume that it's Bryce that went through it because... Got whatever he could and just left. Yeah, it doesn't... They, obviously, they don't know what he took because they didn't know what was in there. But they found his clothes in there, his wallet, his ID, money. Like, what was he looking for is my thing. Hmm. You needed everything you needed to survive there. <laughs> I don't know. Money? Yeah, but if he's fucked up from that crash. Yeah, that's might true. Be not, you might not be thinking of what you actually need, and you're just like, man, I really want a jacket. Oh, that's you grab true. grab a jacket and leave. Like, yeah. So, Karen and Michael reported Bryce as missing. Again. Being reported as missing in less than 12 hours. Twice. Fair. is crazy. So cops do their cop shit and discover there was a surveillance camera on one of the main roads to the lake, uh, the Caustic Lake Recreation Area, which this camera takes pictures of every vehicle going into the area as it passes this mm-hmm. area and it takes a picture of the license plate. So Bryce's vehicle got its picture taken at 2.15 in the morning. That is just less than 10 minutes after Bryce called his mom saying that he was tired and he was going to pull off the road to take a nap. Then it took a picture of the car again at 4.29 in the morning. Coming back out? No. Going in again? Yes. How? Because the recreational area doesn't have the same camera system for people leaving. Okay. So you can leave just fine, but it takes pictures of every single person that comes in. So, this is like a little over two hours and 15 minutes, which Bryce, they don't know when he left the recreational area. They don't know what he did while he was in the recreational area. They don't know what he left for. They don't know why he came back. So, it's like all of these like weird up in the air things, but like super weird. Then, the wreckage of his vehicle was found by a passerby and officers arrived at 5.30 in the morning. So there's an hour window from when he was last seen on the footage to when officers find him. I don't know what time the passerby found him and called the police, but I'm assuming that the police probably responded fairly quickly to that kind of a call, finding a wrecked vehicle. Mm -hmm. So 
On its side. Yeah, yeah, on its side. Yeah. Like, that's kind of a high emergency situation. He had an hour to, like, leave his car in a dazed state, I'm sure, after I being wrecked. I wonder if he's, like, manic. Like, bipolar or schizophrenic? Mm-hmm. No, no, like, manic so. depressive, like, ups and downs, and he was having a manic episode, and that's why he's up for ten hours, sitting by the edge of the road, and then, like, in and out and in and out. I yeah. Know. I don't know either. That's a good idea, though. Um, we'll talk about theories here in a second. I might touch on that a little bit. So, they look for evidence, but everything that they found looked like Bryce had drove down the embankment. On purpose. Intentionally. Weird. Yep. They, I'm sure they looked for skid marks, brake marks, any other things that a vehicle could have hit to, like, bounce back and forth if someone's, like, hesitating. No. Apparently, he just went straight down, didn't even touch the brakes, and in fact, they believe that he accelerated more than just... Do you think he's trying to kill himself? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay, okay. I like this, though. So, again, officers think they did this intentionally. They tracked his tire tracks to the top of a hill on the main road, past the tower, which there's a really weird picture that I found on one of my sources that's, like, elevation anyways, and went straight down the embankment. So, upon further investigation of the car, they don't believe that Bryce was seriously injured because there are only a few drops of blood found in the front area and a couple in the back. So, nothing significant, but... Externally. Yes. I was just about to say, if there's anything that I've learned from Grey's Anatomy... (laughs) (laughs) Shit goes downhill real quick when you're bleeding on the inside and not on the outside. And you don't always bleed on the outside if you're bleeding from the inside. So, also, a PSA for, like, just my job, anytime we have a traffic accident and someone is seriously injured, I am told to tell you and everybody else around to not move the injured person unless they are in danger. That is a traumatic situation in which there could be internal injuries, and moving them could cause spinal injury, could cause, like, if there's a rib that's broken, you could penetrate their lung, they could die faster. We do not want to move people that are in such a high-impact traumatic situation until paramedics are there and are able to stabilize them. Yep. There's one call in particular, I can't remember if it was my agency or if it's just a story that I've heard from somebody else's. I believe it was mine, but they had told everybody not to move this child who had gotten hit by a car or something traumatic had happened to him, and everyone was trying to move this kid, and the guy keeps telling no, they're telling me to tell you to not move him, like, don't move him, don't move him, and it's a good thing they didn't, because he literally would have... Like, when the paramedics got there and were able to move him, he had, like, a spinal injury and they could have paralyzed him. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't, you can't do those things to people that suffer things like that. Yep. Unless they're in danger and, like, about to get ran over by a car. Right. Like, those are the only circumstances. But, I don't know. It's hard to say. So, who knows that maybe with him moving himself, he could have injured himself, himself more, more on the inside. That day, obviously, starting at the time that they found the vehicle at 5 30 in the morning dozens of officers swamped the area and are now in a search for bryce there were helicopters to cover aerial views there were officers checking the grounds and even the shore and they're not finding anything meanwhile bryce's parents are obviously using social media to spread the word to keep an eye out for bryce and this quickly became a sensation and people were reaching out from all over to help karen and michael People started posting, and thousands of missing posters went up in effort to find him. 
And also, volunteers aided response searchers to search to find Bryce. So it's like a, it's a huge group of people out there looking for him. Santa Clarita Valley Search and Rescue Team uh, arrived to the recreational area on Saturday to assist. So I believe Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So that would have been the next day after he went missing. They spent 10 hours there and found nothing. The search and rescue team found nothing. Search dogs were even brought in from out of state, to which Kim provided a pair of sneakers and socks for the dogs to search with. The scent led them to Government Cove, to which divers went to search. Working from shallow water to deeper water, they found nothing that would prove that Bryce was there. Um, What state is this again? California. While all of that's happening, all the searching and everything like that, there are other officers that are interviewing friends and family to try to learn about Bryce a little bit more and try to find maybe a possible motive or, like, anything that, like... Just, like, what the fuck? Right. Like, also, like, where where does he like comic book stores? Can we find him in a comic book yeah. store? I don't know. Anything to try to get right. something to find him. Which, after talking to them, officers start to believe that Bryce was trying to kill himself. Uh, Michael and Karen were obviously certain that Bryce would never do that, but friends at school... Not a single parent would not say that. Yep, I know. No, I I can't blame them. Like, why would you want to think that your kid wanted to die? That, that is just a heartbreaking That's horrible. thing to come to terms with. Yep. But his friends at school thought that it might have been a really real possibility due to his erratic behavior that we had talked about. Mm -hmm. Upon talking to one of Bryce's closest friends, Sean, his roommate, officers discovered that Bryce was giving away some of his possessions. Such as, Bryce gave Sean his Xbox and some games. He also gave Sean some diamond earrings, which his mother had given to him. Weird. Mm -hmm. Weird gift. Very personal gift that he got from his his mom. Mm -hmm. He's giving it to his friend. Seems odd. So, also on the night that Bryce left, Sean got a text from him saying, quote, I love you, bro, seriously. You're the best person I've ever met, and you saved my soul. End quote. So, a little fishy there. But with days of searching the recreational area and thorough searches of the body of water in the lake, officers were certain that he wasn't in the lake, and he also was certain he was not in the seven square miles that the area covered. So, with all that space covered, they've covered every inch of it, essentially. And they really have no idea where he went after he left the vehicle. So, let's talk about the suicidal theory. Since they weren't able to find a body, officers start to go down other avenues. Because they're like, if he wanted to kill himself, there's a big old lake right there that he could have drowned himself in. Like Totally. Why, what would, where would he go if he really wanted to kill himself? So they also thought about the idea of Bryce giving away his possessions and that he left everything else there at the car. Even, like I said, the ID, the money, everything. So maybe they thought that Bryce wanted to walk away from his life and just wanted a new life. But again, his parents were like, no, he would never do that. He loves us very much. And, um... Even if he wanted some time for himself or wanted this new life, he would have come back eventually. And at this point, it's been eight years since he's been missing. His friends... Maybe he's, like, 
somebody brand new and he's listening to all these podcasts like about him. Got <laughs> <laughs> right? you guys. Even his friends were like, well, yeah, maybe he just needed some time away, wanted to deal with himself, but they thought he was going to be back for Labor Day weekend. Oh. Which oh, was, well, was like no. two weeks away. Yeah. <laughs> so, with that in mind, there's uh, some search dogs caught his scent on another path. Which went down from the vehicle to a road that led to the top of the dam, crossed over the dam, and ended at a truck stop that was close by. And I believe it's the truck stop that's right off of the interstate that's right next to the recreational area. It's not so very far. could have just gotten a ride with somebody and just bounced. Yeah. Or aliens got him. That's my other thought. Ah, uh, aliens. Oh, good old aliens. So, possible theories with that is that he clearly... Might have hitched a ride. That is the perfect place to hitch a ride. Totally. To just hit a trucker. Hit, yep. hit, not hit a trucker. Hit, hit up, up a trucker. A trucker. <laughs> and be like, hey, dude, where are you going? Cool, me too. Just take me as far Bro, as... Oh, I've got these amphetamines. If you want to stay up, <laughs> I will give you some of these if you give me a ride. That's what he was going in the duffel bag for. Totally. I need my drugs. Like, I gotta get these drugs first. Yeah. There's another possibility that we've kind of touched on is that Bryce ended up maybe getting a pretty serious head injury and possibly had memory loss or something like that and might have... Couldn't even remember who he was. Couldn't remember so he who he was. A new life. Yeah, so he went to the truck wow. stop and was like, I don't know where to go. Yeah. Just take me somewhere. Or my cynical mind is thinking that, like, trucker found him, killed him, dumped his body totally. in another state. Oh, easy. Easy. Yeah. Or maybe they took him to a hospital because he was injured, and the hospital didn't know who he was because he didn't have ID, so they just kind of let him go after he was done treated. But then, like, that's not how hospitals work. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe they took them to their house to help him. Maybe they dumped him at a homeless shelter. Yeah. Like I said, maybe he got murdered. There's literally endless possibilities. Maybe he's staging his own death. Totally. To start this new life. Easy. I don't know. Also, apparently during the search of trying to find Bryce, mm -hmm. Michael, his father, his car got broken into while trying to find his missing son. Like, that's well, that so sucks. fucked up. Yeah. I hate people, honestly. On September 4th, which is almost a week after Bryce went missing, officers and firefighters were sent to a location off Lake Hughes Road because there were reports of a fire. Do you want to guess what this fire was? Go ahead. A burning body. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Bummer. Super big bummer. <laughs> Fuck. And obviously... You can't get anything off that. Enough to where an autopsy of the body proved that it wasn't Bryce. Uh. It must not have been that burnt. Yeah. Huh. I don't know, but they were like, yep, this isn't Bryce. Dental hmm. records, maybe. Yeah. Because his parents, according to, like, all the missing info that I... They submitted dental records, DNA, everything, which I'm sure any parent would right. want to do that. <clears throat> so... I'm interested to do more research about this random burning body for another episode, but keep it in mind because we'll talk about it again in a second. Anyways, unfortunately, three weeks after searching, officers had to call out the search. Right. They're like, we can't keep... It's a lot of resources. It's a lot of resources. It's a lot of money. But this didn't stop volunteers from continuing to look. Officers also, in their spare time, apparently did extra patrols of the area, still trying to find totally. anything. Um, that would lead them to Bryce with, also with the large media coverage Karen and Michael put out, police got several calls and tips about people spotting Bryce, but nothing went anywhere. It was right. all, yeah, just whatever. Mm -hmm. So Karen and Michael then end up hiring a private investigator a couple months later. This private investigator took the case for free. Hmm. 
They were like, I'm going to help you find Very your son. confident. This person, her name is Denise Savistano. She specializes in missing persons cases. So this is what she does. Her theory is that Bryce had all intentions to return to his parents' house, but his drug intake might have led him to a psychotic break. This is when he crashed, and that gave him a head injury, which, coupled with the mental issues that were going on, wasn't a good combination. Bryce's parents and Denise hired a sonar specialist who searched the lake again using sonar, but after two days and a total of 24 hours of looking at it, just like the officers in the search team, nothing. Yeah. So at least that's good that, like... It it's was actually lake, a thorough yeah. right. <laughs> investigation, and <clears throat> there aren't other dead bodies in the lake. That's True. good. Yeah. So, remember the burning body? Yeah. That is the body of LaMondre Miles, who was murdered and burned to obviously cover the evidence. Right. Theories suggest that maybe Bryce ran into those people that murdered LaMondre, and they obviously had ill intent, and especially if he saw something he shouldn't have. Yeah. They took him and killed him and dumped him. Yeah. Yep. Bryce is a super recognizable dude. I don't know if you looked any photos up while I was Tell talking. Me his last name again. Las Pisa. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Super. Super redhead. Super redhead. <laughs> um, so not like Xavier Dupont de Lagones, who looks like every other Joe Schmo on the street. No, this dude looks. Yep. Yeah, Bryce has bright red hair and blue eyes. He's about 5'11", uh, 170 pounds. He has both of his ears pierced, and he has a tattoo on his left shoulder, which I'll post a picture of all of that on our Instagram. Unfortunately, at this time, officers, like, currently at this time, like, eight years later, and I'm sure they made this assumption before now, they assume that Bryce is dead. Mm-hmm. They don't have anything to prove that, but I think that's just kind of, like, how policing works. If you don't have a body and you don't... Yeah have any other means to think that they're still alive he would have shown up somewhere yeah Yeah. so especially with that tattoo yeah that's a very recognizable tattoo and that's not something you can cover up no and tattoos get people recognized all the time like Mm. if he he had gone into a hospital for anything that totally would have been a red flag to somebody yeah hospitals totally would have been like ah that guy came in like i did see that guy yeah he came in yeah yeah so that being said I know we have a very small following right now, but if you have any information, please call area code 323-890-5500 or area code 949-292-4400. Or you can even go to this website, which is wehelpthemissing.org, and they have a whole bunch of ways to help out the family as well as give tips if you think you've seen Bryce. From what I could find, there's also possibly a reward for any information that is used to help Bryce and give his parents some closure. There's also a Facebook page called Find Bryce Las Pisa, and you can find more info on there. Wow. That, um That's all I've got for you today. Holy shit. That's basically where it ends. We don't know where he is. We don't know what happened to him. He just disappeared off of the face of California. Wow. Yeah. A lot of people think he is just hanging out at totally. Skid Row I somewhere. Could see that just hanging out. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Like you try and like start a new life and then you have nothing and so you fucking can't do it and you then just... you end up just homeless. And... Yeah. Ugh. That sucks. It just like is weird. Like obviously I don't understand what would make somebody just a manic episode. That's true. 
That's true. You I would don't think he'd have... come back from that, but you think he would. I don't know. But but maybe he was just like so maybe maybe he was having a manic episode and then he crashed his car and gave himself and a TBI amnesia and gets amnesia. Yeah. So he has no idea where he is. So totally. now he's just what a shitty combo. Yeah. Fuck. He might have come home if he maybe didn't wreck his car so severely. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. It makes me sad. Because, like, he was obviously going through something. So whether he wanted to kill himself or not. Yeah. Like, I low-key wished his mom had gone up there and not given him the chance to drive. But it's a coulda, woulda, shoulda situation. And I don't want her to live with that guilt. I'm sure she lives with that enough every day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's Bryce. story. Thanks. It's one of the few missing persons cases that really, like, really baffles me. Mm-hmm. Others were just kind of like, yeah, the person's dead, or yeah, they got kidnapped. Yeah. Which, I'm not saying, yeah, like, oh, whatever, but, like, this one's, like, so weird. Yeah. So, have you heard of mine? No, I have not. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Is this crazy, too? Yeah. I'm honestly not sure. I oh. sit on, like, it's one of those where I'm... Every day, I think it like it has to be this, and then the next day, I'm like, I don't think it's that. I think it has to be this. So I'm. I feel like that's how I was with Yacht Love. Oh, a hundred percent. This is the story of the disappearance of Timothy Pitson. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna get right into the timeline, and then we'll go through a little bit of background afterwards, and it'll make sense why I'm doing that. So we're going back to May 11th. Mm-hmm. of 2011. Mm-hmm. Timothy is in kindergarten mm-hmm. and he gets dropped off that day at kindergarten by his dad, Jim Pitson, uh, first thing in the morning. And then his mom, Amy, uh, shows up less than an hour later um, and picks him up telling the staff, like, hey, we had some kind of family emergency. I gotta take him. And what are they gonna say? No. Right, it's his mom. Right, and there's surveillance of her taking him out of the school. It was, like, right at 30 minutes after... Uh, he had been she, dropped off? After he had been dropped off. So she puts him in the car, and she drives 30 miles east to a mechanic where she left her expedition, asks the mechanic to drop the two of them off at a nearby zoo while the work is being done. So they are in Aurora, Illinois. Oh, I was about to say, fucking goddamn it! We need to stop with these Colorado. Aurora, (laughs) Illinois. So, yeah, she drives thirty miles east to a mechanic from thirty miles from Aurora, Illinois. That's a really far way to drive for a mechanic. Uh huh. And she leads her expedition there. And like, I've had a mechanic like give me a courtesy ride back home or whatever, but she obviously wasn't gonna have him drive thirty minutes back to where. So. She's like, yeah, just drops off at the zoo and then give me a call when you're done and you can pick us up. Meanwhile, Jim showed back up at the school at the end of the school day to pick Timothy up and finds out from the staff, like, oh, your wife picked him up, like, right after you dropped him off. And he had no idea that this was happening. So right away, alarm bells are going off in Jim's head. After the zoo slash the mechanic, Amy drives 45 miles north to the Key Lime Cove Indoor Water Park and Resort in Gurney, Illinois. They stayed there the whole night. They stayed the night there. 
and the next morning drove 170 miles to Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin, and checked into the Kalahari Resort for the night. The whole time, she's doing this thing where Jim is, like, trying to get a hold of her, calling her, texting her, everything. Right. Like, what, what the fuck is going on? She won't reply to him, but she's replying, she's, like, texting other <gasps> family members, oh, no. some friends who are, like, relaying info to him. So it's super weird. So she's Wait. just telling them, like, hey... We just need to get away. It's not a big deal. Everything's fine. Like, yada, yada, yada. And these family members are relaying this information back to Jim. It's super did, sketchy. Did she not think that they were going to tell him? No, she. I think she wanted them to tell him. So why didn't she just tell her Great himself? question. Him I don't know. Maybe she was afraid that he would talk her into coming back home or something like that. I'm not sure. Right. Or, like, maybe... He would be able to, like, see through her lies easier than everybody else. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure. So they're at the Kalahari Resort that night. They checked out the following morning at around 10.10 in the morning, and Amy finally called her mom and told her mom that she and Timothy were fine. So it was, like, two days later, right? Well, oh my god, two days later? She still hasn't returned the kid? It's been two nights. Yeah. So, um... She checks into a hotel in Rockford, Illinois, late on Friday night, but Timothy is not with her at that time. He's not seen on the surveillance footage as with her. The next morning, hotel staff are going around, and they're cleaning all the rooms, blah, blah, blah. They knock on her door. No answer. So she was only supposed to stay that night, so they're like, oh, she must have checked out. They put the universal key in, they go in to clean the room, and they find... That Amy killed herself. <gasps> she slit her wrists. She slit her throat. Oh my god. And she took a lethal dose of antihistamines, so like Benadryl. She left two suicide notes, one for the person who found her and a second one for family. We don't really know much about those, but we know that they did say, quote, Timothy's safe, but you're never going to find him. He's with people who love him and will care for him, but you'll never find him. What the fuck? Yeah. I didn't know you could take a lethal dose of antihistamines. It's kind of like sleep sleep meds. It just makes it it like lowers your respiratory system and you just stop breathing, basically. Yeah, so don't oh, overdo it gosh. on the Benadryl, babe. I overdid it a long time ago. It's <laughs> fine. There was well, one day like that... her. It's not like the wrists and the throat weren't gonna do it. So yeah, so like did it she ingest the Benadryl first? Yeah. And then slit her wrist and then cut her throat? Yep. That is so much work. It is intense. It is, like, real commitment. I personally would have given up after a little bit on one wrist. And she was so dedicated. <laughs> That's good to know. That, like, she went... Oh, yeah. I'm sure both she... Both wrists. Both of her wrists. And then her throat. Yeah. So... Mm, was yeah, she in the tub? A lot of commitment there. I'm not sure. I'm sure cutting her throat was probably a good way to... Yeah, it's quick. Fuck me, bro. So, they don't know where Timothy is. None of his stuff is in the car or in the room. So, they start on, like, a massive search for him. And um, that included investigators from Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa, all trying to find him. Mm -hmm. So, they look at Amy's last cell phone calls on that Friday, and they came from somewhere around Sterling, Illinois. So, they're looking around there. Uh, That's kind of where they started the search. And they put up pictures of him, like, everywhere. Yeah. So that everybody would know, like, this is who we're looking for. If you've seen him, bring him. Right. Investigators were kind of optimistic when they looked at her credit card purchases because they saw that 
in the morning on Thursday, the day before everything kind of went down, she bought a bunch of kids clothes and like toys and stuff like that from a store in Racine, Wisconsin. But none of these items were found in her car or in the room. So they were like, oh, she gave him to someone. Like what she said in her note was true. Also, his Spider-Man backpack and a booster seat that he normally used in the car were gone. So, again, they are like, she gave these things. So, again, they thought that, like, she gave these things to whoever had him at the time. Right. Later, they found out that the booster seat that they normally used was still in his grandma's car from the last time she babysitted. So, one, this was a little bit concerning because Amy's clearly showing, like, she didn't put a booster seat in the car for him. Child neglect? A little bit. Like, she didn't really care that much, or she wasn't going to have him around that much. Yeah. Especially driving such long distances that she was driving. 30 minutes for... Yeah. Or miles, I mean. Right. So, we know that they have her cell phone records, and they have her credit card statements, so they're trying to kind of reconstruct her, like, what she did and when she did it, to give them a better idea of where she maybe could have taken him. Uh, Hours after using her phone in Sterling... Amy stopped at a food store in Winnebago. Winnebago? 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 Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, which was around, like, 30 miles from Sterling, I think. Um, I'm going to be honest, the printer kind of fucked up my notes. So I'm guessing, based off of the brief scratchings that the printer made. <laughs> okay. Um, but she stopped at a food store in Winnebago. Winnebago. Yep. Timothy was not with her at the food store because they went there and they looked at surveillance and so they knew at least at that time he was wherever he was and not with her. Yeah. So they didn't know where Amy might have stopped in between there and the hotel. So they were left with this huge square footage area or square mileage area to search. Yeah. Eventually... Any hope of finding him kind of faded, especially after they started testing the expedition. There was a significant amount of blood in the back seat that was, like, old blood, that was identified as belonging to him. Oh, no. But his family insisted that he had a ton of, like, really severe nosebleeds, um, and they were like, that has to be what it was from. Investigators were unable to determine how long the blood had been there. Um, and Jim was certain that it was from a nosebleed that happened, like, a few months before. I don't like that. Okay. I get that nosebleeds bleed, yeah. but it's not, like, yeah. gushing out blood right. and it covers a car. Sure. Like, it would cover him yeah. before it would cover the car. Yeah. Totally. I I agree with that. It's a little bit sus. I mean, I get it. How old is he? Kindergarten. He's like old enough to not just be flailing around sure. while he's bleeding. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he, it's not like he would, like, be in one place and it's just, like, dripping if into a big puddle. If he was in his car seat, in the car, be it would on be him. strapped on. Totally. And it That's would be really on him. That's a good point, too. Yep. So, Amy had an iPass account, which was, like, it's kind of like the express toll here. Oh, it's yeah. one of those things, and you go through tolls and it automatically pays with this yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. Uh, in her car, and the transponder that no- you normally stick in your car that deals with the tolls, yeah. um, that was missing when police found her car, but they looked at her account records, and that sh- allowed them to see all the tolls that she had driven through, and they ended up finding out 
that she had made two previous trips to the Dixon Sterling area in the months prior to his disappearance. And these happened on February 18th and then again on March 20th. And every time she went out there, she spent four or five hours in the area before getting back on the highway to come back. And her family members had no idea she was doing this. Um, How do you disappear for five hours? I don't know. So she would disappear to this area, and it turns out she had no family and no known friends in that area. So there was no No reason reason. that anybody knew of that she could be going out there. So it seemed like whatever Amy had done with him, it hadn't been spur of the moment. It was planned. planned and Like, maybe she arranged ahead of time to drop him off with someone, or she was looking for a place that she could hide his body. Bury him. Yep. So in October of 2013, a woman turned in Amy's missing cell phone over to police. Oh, shit. So it turns out she found it on the side of the road near Mount Carroll, Illinois, and had actually found it two years earlier in 2011, the, the year that everything happened. Mm-hmm. But she never connected it to that case. Um, she had kept it. And then eventually in, like, 2013, her brother needed a new cell phone, and she was like, oh, shit, I found this one. And so she gave it to him and charged it up and saw some of the names that were in the contact list, and she connected it and realized it was Amy's phone, so she turned it into the cops. But, unfortunately, that didn't yield any new leads or anything to police. Okay. So it just kind of went cold. And then, in 2019... Ooh, that's recent. A man in Newport, Kentucky, went to the police, and he told them that he was a 14-year-old Timothy Pitson. What? Mm-hmm. He would have been 14 at that time. Yeah, no, I know. Yes, I'm just, okay. like, thinking of, like, this 14-year-old yeah, okay. just walking to this police department yeah. and being like, I'm Timothy. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, he claimed that he had finally escaped from the two men who had been holding him captive at this hotel called the Ohio Red Roof Inn. Uh, he gave detailed descriptions of the men and their SUV and told the police where they could find them. So two Aurora detectives were sent to interview this man who was saying that he was Timothy, mm-hmm. but they were skeptical from the get-go of what he was saying. He refused to allow them to take his fingerprints, but he DNA. consented to DNA, which was weird. And then soon after, they confirmed that he was actually a 23-year-old Brian Reaney, who was a convicted felon from Medina, Ohio. Literally trying to pass himself off as nine years younger. Why? <laughs> what, was he, like, facing charges or something? That something he for him to out. change his he identity? He had been out of jail for a month after serving time for burglary. And he told investigators that he claimed to be Timothy because he had seen a television interview with Jim, his dad, and decided he wanted a dad like that. Oh, my God. Which, uh, the mental illness in, in this man had to be just severe. Yeah, so I can't really be too mad at him for being... Right. Like, so... <sighs> whatever. That sucked because the whole family was stoked I'm when this sure. happened. And then it was just heartbreaking to find out that it wasn't it wasn't him. So, what happened? It's weird. If we look into kind of like Amy and their marriage, everything, this was Amy's fourth marriage, but her first and only kiddo. Okay. Amy and James met at a party in like the early 2000s, 2002, 2003, and they dated for a year long distance. And then at some point, Amy told James about uh, she had like some struggles with depression, Mm -hmm. but I'll do. 
But in 2003, she tried to kill herself. She took some pills, sat on the edge of a cliff, passed out, and fell off. Holy shit. James, or Jim, received a phone call from a hospital in Iowa saying that... Like they found Like, her. what happened, and that Amy was at that hospital. And f- for most of their marriage, it was pretty, like, rocky. Like, they had a lot of issues. She mm-hmm. was pretty controlling, all this stuff. And... They had had some conversations about, like, separating and divorce and all that. Amy had brought up separating as an option, and he was like, listen, if we end up getting divorced, I'm going to end up with custody of of Timothy. So That's what's like, going to happen. Was he holding that over her head so he didn't get the divorce, or was he just trying to be point I blank? I think he was like, just trying to be point blank. Like, you have XYZ going, like, if we stay together and work it out, we both get to see him. Mm-hmm. If not, I'm gonna get full custody, and he's probably right about that. After that conversation, she made it very clear to him that she was not gonna let anybody take Timothy away. There were a lot of tip lines, just like in your case, uh, and investigators followed those tips all the way up to Maine, but Damn. nothing ever panned out. Um, so two theories that I think are pretty valid. Um, one, some believe that Amy just gave Timothy over to a nearby Amish community, which would make sense <gasps> because they don't have any access they don't to have TV. Technology. They wouldn't put up any flyers. Like, they would have no idea that like anything was weird. Did the officers check Amish communities? I don't think are so. Are they allowed to? I don't know. Do they have a police? No idea. We need to know. <laughs> How does jurisdiction work for Amish Yeah, people? that's the thing. I don't know. Because they're their own communities. Yeah. Like, it's like its own city. Yeah, I'm not sure. Huh. So that's, like, short but sweet, but that is kind of the one I would like to have happened. Same. Um, Because I the like obvious that. second one is that she killed him and dumped his body somewhere. Yeah. Um, And that is supported by the amount of blood evidence in the vehicle that we already talked about. Mm-hmm. And then they end up finding, like, a lot of kind of telling vegetation evidence on the car. So the car was dirty with mud and grass, and forensic tests were able to determine that the car had likely been parked on a gravelly area for quite a bit of time. And then the plants that they found, uh, they figured would have been in the area where this plant called Queen Anne's Lace grew, mm-hmm. and black mustard plants grew, which w- and there would have been a few trees. So they narrowed it down to, like, these are three things that would grow in the area where this car was. Super cool that they can do that. Right. It was possible that there was a small body of water, such as a pond nearby, because they had vegetation from an area like that. And then they narrowed it down to likely a meadow, which had not been interfered with by humans, meaning like no crop growing or like mowing taking place. And investigators believed it was likely in Lee County or Whiteside County in northwestern Illinois. However, after extensive searching in those areas, nothing was found of him so i mean that could still have been in an amish community it's not like they have paved roads 100 percent. so very interesting i have another theory cool there are people that do like to purchase children totally and they're not going to say anything for it because it's illegal to just purchase a child so what if she did end up giving him to a quote loving family who bought him but then like she might not even had yeah. given money exchange. She probably was like, yeah. I know I'm going to go kill myself. Just yeah. take my kid. Yeah. 
Here's a bunch of toys I just bought him. Yeah. Yeah. Or did she bury his body with a whole bunch of toys with him? I don't know. I don't know. Either way, it's super messed up. At least let him have his father. He's old enough at this point to know that these people that he's with aren't his parents. Yeah. But now they're his parents? (laughs) Like, that would have been a perfect age for a toddler. Yeah. Yeah. I don't um, know. So, same as Sammy's, like, there are all kinds of tip lines that you can call, so just Google Timothy Pitts and you can find those. You can also find a lot of age-progressed photos of him, which seem pretty accurate. And that's that. If you want more info, the two articles I used were really, really good. Uh, one is from Medium.com, and it's an article by Jen Baxter called A Mother's Deceit. And the other is from... A blog called Talk Murder with Me, which I think is also a podcast. Yeah. I use medium.com. They had, like, two separate articles yeah. on Bryce. That was pretty cool. They're they really good. That's where, like, a lot of my information Same came from. Here. Yeah. They Heck had yeah. really thorough, very in-depth timelines and stuff. Yeah. That's totally. really cool. Thanks, medium.com. So that's medium. the story com. of Timothy Pitson. That's crazy. It's bananas. I feel so bad for him. I do, too. I hope he's not dead. I know. Poor little baby. His family is, like, straight up thinking that he's still alive. Even now. That was ten years ago. So Damn. Maybe fifteen now. Probably. Dang, that's crazy. Yep. So that's what I have. Thanks for sharing. Anytime. I like doing mystery pieces because then we can like it's not just like and they died and that was it and here's the jail sentence bye. Yeah, because yeah. then we can we, like we can maybe get talk about it. people involved yeah. and like make change and like find these people totally but if they don't want to be found if you're into that you should listen to uh the murder squad you ever heard that mm-hmm. it's by uh paul holes which oh we've talked right, about him right 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 and billy jensen oh we've talked about him too yep so if you're into that they do all everything they do is like unsolved kind of stuff kind of super interesting interesting so yeah i love it um, you can follow us on Instagram at who knew podcast. Who knew podcast? Okay, thank God. <laughs> I don't know why I question this every single week. I think it's because our email is who knew podcast six 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 at gmail at gmail dot com. If you want to email us, mm-hmm. and then uh, if you're feeling spicy, you can uh, support us on Patreon. Yep, totes. You can buy some merch too. Totally. Yeah, we, we wear will. our own merch. Yeah, we're no shame. No shame, because mine's a pumpkin head on there, so nobody knows it's me. And Until mine's I a ghost ask, face. And then I say, ah, this is my podcast. I have my wife. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyways. <laughs> um, that's all I got. That's all I got. Okay. Uh, who wants to say bye? Oh, I think I got an Oliver right Oliver's here. Oliver's right here. Oh, hold up. Let me see if what I can get him to make boy. a noise. Oh, oh he's oh. stretching, though. Oh, it's a big stretch. What a long boy. Do you want to? No, he doesn't want to. Like I don't think I'm gonna see anything this time. Just (laughs) okay. (laughs) Bye, Oliver.